Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea, where we look at the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we have a concert. It's a birthday party. This is known as 37 slash 2. Yes. Or 37 dash 2. Right. Prince's 37th birthday. The artist formerly known as Prince's second birthday. Oh, he's a little toddler. So cute. It's not like you're supposed to actually divide 37 by 2. No. And call it 18 and a half. That's good. Which would be a good Madhouse track. But we haven't got there yet. No, that's true. Right. So this is a show that was performed um, not really on Prince's birthday, technically, (laughs) as he likes to point out during the show. But it uh, took place, started... um, in the wee hours of the morning on June 8th, 1994, at Glam Slam Miami. Yes, Glam, Glam Slam South. East. Oh, I thought it was East. No, South. Oh, okay. I didn't know there was a Glam Slam East. I thought it was East because then there was the Glam Slam West, which was in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And then I've only ever heard it called Glam Slam South. <gasps> okay. Never heard East before. Oh, okay. Well,. Somewhere we somewhere I read East, and I just thought that was hmm. what it was called. So since we're talking about the compass of Glam Slams, okay. this was one of four nightclubs that were associated with Prince. Not known. Did he own them? Did he... Everything I read was really conflicted. Yeah, it's very unclear it was, if he, he owned them, or did he lease the name? Did he sponsor them to be called that? Did he just put a neon sign out front for them? I don't know. Yeah, it was it was really unclear because some places I read these are Prince's mm-hmm. clubs that he owned, that he ran, that or he paid people to run for him. Right. And then there were other time other places I read no that they were using the name and part of the agreement was he could play yeah. whenever he wanted. That would seem more likely to me. Yeah. Um Especially considering the amount of times he actually did perform at this club, with it, which I looked up to. Oh, uh, first of all, there are four of them. Nicely the, done the, with the research. Thanks. Um, I'm trying to keep up with you. Um, so there was Glam Slam North that was there in Minneapolis, which would make more sense for him to own and run because that was home turf, right? Right. There was also Glam Slam West in Los Angeles and Glam Slam South in Miami, South Beach, Florida, which is where this concert took place. Took right. place. And also Glam Slam Yokohama in Japan. Oh. And all lasted for anywhere from one to five years yeah. in 1990 through 1995, 1997, that type of thing. So I wondered how many times had he played in Glam Slam South, this club of his. Well, the first time was exactly a year before this concert uh-huh. in the wee hours of June 8th, 1994. Other than that, he played there seven times total, including this one, which seemed like... Not that many. Maybe not that many over the course of... From 1994 through 2006 was the last time he performed in this building. He performed at it... His first time was June 8th, 1994, in the wee hours of the morning. And the last time was when the club was known as Mansion on March 18th, 2006, as part of the 3121 shows. Oh, cool. So he's back there again. And then I looked up the address of it and did a street view in <laughs> Google Maps, and it's for lease. At least oh, the picture really? that's there now is it's for lease. But I was like, I'd love to see some interior shots of the club, and it's very difficult to find any of those. It was obviously a two-story thing because he says 
upstairs a lot of times. So there were two stories. But how large it was and how many people it held seems to be a very unknown thing. Yeah. Which is weird for a building that's still there. Right. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And because I was trying to figure out how big this building was because it kind of sounds like there's a lot of people there. Definitely in the hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but when he calls for crowd interaction, you can hear them, but it's not like it's a, you know, thousands of people. Right. It's a small venue. Yeah. For Prince. Yeah. Yeah, which he played a lot of. Which um, is great. I also wondered, you know, this is a long concert, like two hours long, and it's like mm-hmm. towards the latter half of it that he says, you know, it's kind of cool how I waited till after midnight to start the show. And I'm like, well, when did it start? If he's just saying this and it's been like over an hour. That's kind of slick how I waited till after 12 to do the show so nobody would sing that stupid happy, stupid happy birthday song, right? The ticket stub. There's a ticket stub on Prince Vault, a picture of it. Uh-huh. And it shows that doors opened at 10 p.m. Oh. And the show started at 1.30 a.m. and lasted more than two hours. Wow. What an exhausting evening <laughs> for concert goers. Yeah. yeah. You know. Well, yeah, because they probably had responsibilities the next day. Prince, Either, yeah, that like, day or slept. the next day. Yeah. Yes. Wow. You know what? It's worth it. Uh, All right. Yeah. So this is not an officially released item. That's right. I guess we should have clarified that up front. Well, that we're, we're going to talk about this a second. Okay. So, well, it sounds like you're going to talk about it and I'm going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is not officially released, but do not pay for it. Oh, we're no. we're, we're going to say this up front that the creator, the person who originally released it, we don't know for sure who that is. I believe Moonraker is who they go by, but they provided this to fans for free with the yep. idea that if Prince decided he was going to release it, that he would be, and now his estate would be, the only one to profit off of the release of this concert. Right. Yeah. It was, so, a, it was in circulation uh, among fans for free, and it had been released once and then upgraded with... Most of the concert and soundboard quality, what we've got now is kind of a matrix of soundboard and a really good audience recording. Right. And the audience recording is what came out initially. Then uh, I don't know how somebody found the soundboard, but they did and re-released it again for free. So I'm not going to tell you how to find that. We're not going to share that with you, but I know that you are all very resourceful. And if you feel like you need to go and see this, that you can find it, not but see it, but don't, listen to it. Well, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's be honest. If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you probably you know this, how to, right? Yeah, prob- probably. Yeah. Uh, it's probably. not, it's not a hard thing to track down. No, uh, but certainly but don't pay for it. Don't pay a penny for it. Um, it should be free. And yes. if the estate ever chooses to release this or any other after show like this, buy it. Yes. We will. Yep. For sure. Can we talk about the band for a minute? Who was there performing? Yes. This is the band that I feel is awesome. It's primarily the first generation, new power generation. Mm-hmm. The 1G NPG. <laughs> the OG NPG. The OG NPG with the exception of Rosie Gaines yeah. having departed, which to me is my only critique of this band is it's primarily a bunch of dudes, a bunch of guys. And no strong female presence. Yes, Maite is there. She's dancing. She gets credit for being on the inspiration, but she was very, very young and 
uh, did not hold a position of influence, really, uh, nor was she a vocalist, a strong vocalist. Um, so that's the one thing that I think this band is lacking. Um, but it's Prince on lead guitar, Michael Bland on drums, Sonny Thompson on bass, Tommy Barbarella on keyboards. Morris Hayes gets credit on keyboards, but I think of it more as like organ and samples. He's like the I think he says tr- organ is in, in yeah. the jam. Yeah, so. Prince does. Yeah. yeah. He's a fucking man. On organ, y'all. The woman it up. Mr. Hayes. Um, he's also the primary trigger for every sample and beat that's... Cause this is a mixture of live performance and you know there are some pre-recorded backgrounds and and samples and beats and that kind of stuff which was sort of what prince was into at the time too still very much a live show everyone's playing instruments but it's on top of some pre-recorded stuff yeah which is you know Uh, fine you had to do that because he had horns and his own background vocals and to be honest none of these other guys maybe with this exception of sunny t was going to back him up with vocals and be real successful at it. Right. Man, so the whole point of this series of podcasts is to talk about Prince's output from 1994 to 1995, and we're sort of reaching the end of our coverage of this period, but this concert took place, just to put it in perspective, a year after the Interactive DVD came out, Uh 10 months after the Prince album Come, 10 months after 1-800-NEW-FUNK, Two and a half months after the release of Exodus, so it had really just took place, and they performed some of these songs there, uh, including two and a half months after The Undertaker and The Sacrifice of Victor home videos, which were released on the same day, March 6th, 1995. Three and a half months before the release of The Gold Experience, which it seems during this concert uh, that the release was never certain at, at best, right? Yes, at least in the early, which amazed me we'll get there yeah we'll talk about that and also bit. five months before Maite's child of the sun so it is in the middle of like this two-year period of seemingly prince disappearing and also a tremendous amount of almost underground output they were just you know not promoted well purposefully sabotaged right kept underground for a reason you know there's all kinds of unique situations and circumstances around these releases that made it sort of a quiet period for the artist formerly known as Prince being more reclusive when it was really kind of the opposite until you dive into this. You don't know. It was almost the, maybe the most prolific period of released material in his career. I don't think his output uh, was really any different during this period than others, but um, the amount of material that were that was released or eventually released was really at a height. All right, so put yourself in a concert goers goers position. If you're an excited Prince fan, you got there at ten. It's been a three and a half hour wait. Yikes! Yeah, there's there's some drunk people now. For sure, because <laughs> there wasn't much else to do. No. <laughs> If you danced, you're already you're a little tired already. Yeah, that's crazy talk. You're you've like, hey, I know that says VIP, but do you think I could lay down on that couch for a while? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. And then one thirty rolls around. Yep. Oh. And the concert takes off right away. Heck yeah! So they launch 
the concert with Endorphin Machine. Yes, what a great way to start a concert. Great opener. Um, the studio version of the song, I would think, would be sort of unheard of at the time, but it had been played a lot live. It had appeared on the interactive CD-ROM game mm-hmm. uh, a year earlier, but again, how many people at this concert would have seen that and poked around Prince's Mansion trying to collect pieces of the symbol and unlock this concert that gave you endorphin machine at the end of the game at least some some did but, but not um, yeah. uh, probably not all of them yeah. that was the, the kind of interesting thing is there was a, there's songs here that hadn't yet been released but had been played quite a lot he was very much into that during yeah. this period was kind of eschewing print songs yep. and focusing his live stuff on Uh, things that he was working on at the time that may or may not have been released to kind of build a, I can kind of see, you know, almost going back to his very beginning, you know, to kind of build this persona of the artist formerly known as Prince and separate him from Prince's music, which seemed to be his goal at the time. It's almost like what he did with third eye girl towards the end of his career. Like let's start a new band and we'll start at small clubs and see if we can get popular. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which, I mean, of course he was going to be popular. Yeah. It was almost just like a little bit of a self-challenge, it seemed like. To yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah. So this thing launches, and it's pretty faithful to the studio mm-hmm. version, I would say. Yeah. Did you notice that, I don't know that I could ever say this about a Prince concert, but at about 29 seconds, when there's a little drum thing, it almost sounds like they're out of tune. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Now that you mention it, yes. I don't think a little that it's bit just... purposeful. It's just like they're taking the stage and the song is starting and there's this drum break at about 29 seconds where something does not sound right. Well, they fix me. it pretty quickly. They do. Yeah. Yeah. It's not lasting long. No, no. They get back on track real yeah. quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so people are excited. I don't know that it's because of this song, though. It's the fact that you know you're yeah. there and Prince is on I've stage. I've been here right? three and a half hours and Prince is on the yes. stage. Yeah, let's yeah. go nuts. There was a really cool note at like a minute and 50 seconds there where they play a note and it kind of mimics a Prince scream. Hmm. I thought it was really cool. Oh, okay. My only real note during this is at like two minutes and 24 seconds after Tommy Barbarella turn it on and he gets his little keyboard solo. Prince calls out solo for himself and <laughs> rips into a great guitar solo. That In does case deviate. he forgets. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You know, maybe that was just his way of calling out like step aside, boys. I'm going to take a few for myself here. Uh-huh. And as with this entire show, Prince does a lot of, background vocals himself through Morris Hayes samples. Yeah. You know, and again, I'll just repeat that. I think this is the band's biggest weakness. It would have been great to have a, another vocalist on stage with them. Sure. Um, although a lot of Prince fans during his later career like to complain about live background vocalists like Shelby J and, you know, that made it a real concert and wasn't just a pre-recorded sample of Prince's own vocals. So, um, you know, this is the other alternative, right? If you don't have live people there, then you've got to have something prepared. Right. So I will say this for like a non-concert 
tour show, there's a lot here that's impromptu, but there's a lot here that's planned and they must have just gotten the ability to, you know, have all these samples queued up at the right place. And he was experimenting with these things like they were a Lynn drum machine in 1981. Yeah. Yeah. This is the new thing and he's going to play with it. Mm I always laugh when, Prince sings the cynical disposition line. Uh-huh. Oh, why do you laugh? Uh, live just because only just it's because so fast it's and... so fast. And he, on the album version, he does it so well, cleanly and crisply. Yeah. And it's difficult even for him in concert, which yes. always entertains me a little bit. Yeah. And like, you're right. You yeah. know, in the studio, you can do it over and over until you get it perfect. Yeah, until you get it just the way you want it. And yeah. he stumbles over it a little bit, but it's very endearing. Cynical disposition. Wait a minute. Ain't no good unless somebody else is in it. You there with the cynical disposition. Like the mission. And this is where mm-hmm. I was like, how big is this place? Because he shouts out Miami mm-hmm. and... It sounds like so many people. It does at times sound yeah. like a lot of people when yeah. they're all cheering along. You're yeah. right. So. Yeah. Let me hear y'all make some noise. So we kind of lack the album version scream at the end, which mm-hmm. I know is one of your favorite moments on Prince Records. Um, and instead, Prince calls out Miami. Mm-hmm. Miami. Roll right into the next song. Yeah, the jam, a cover of the song by the same name by Graham Central Station. And this yep. was something that Prince did quite a lot. Gave him a chance to intro the band members one at a time. Yes. Give them a little space to do their thing. Yep. Be showcased for a moment. Yes. This is not my favorite concert version of the song, but okay. it's great. Yeah. Um, there are other times when he's performed it live, like you said, from 1995. 1994 forward, he played this a lot to yes. do band intros. The one thing about this that's unique is Prince chanting, Prince is dead. Yes. You know? Long live the new power generation. Yes. Yeah. Which is a, also spoken by Maite in Spanish on the Gold Experience right. album. Right. Prince is dead, sir. Long live the new power generation. Well, thank you all for coming out tonight. So he gets, you know, obviously he had just coming off of completing the Gold Experience album and hoping to get it released and then seemingly resigning himself to the fact that it would never see the light of day, but he was very much in a Gold Experience mindset here, right? Mm-hmm. Mr. Hayes on keyboard. That's right. On, on the, the organ, piano. On the organ. Oh, yes, on the organ. On the organ, warming it up. Mr. Hayes. Mr. Hayes. On the organ, y'all, warming it up. Mr. Hayes. On the piano, he's a funky man. Yes. Tommy Barbarella. On piano, he's a funky man. On the piano, y'all, his name is Tommy Barbarella. Funkiest man out of MPLS. He's nasty. Michael B. on the drums. Yeah, that it surprised me that he, Prince, would introduce... Michael Bland as the funkiest man out of MPLS. Yeah. Funkiest man out of MPLS. He's nasty. He's nasty. And his name is Michael B. Give it to me, brother. He's a funky man. 
But he's not he, funkier than Prince. Funkier than Prince, no. I don't know. But he's a bad mama jama on the mm-hmm. drums. One of my favorite Prince drummers between Michael Bland and John Blackwell. Yeah. No offense to Bobby Z, but I love these guys playing drums live. Yep. They were awesome. Uh, Prince takes a turn. Yeah. What does he say? My turn? My turn. <laughs> My turn. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then on the funky, funky bass, Sonny T. On the funky, funky bass, people. He's a nasty, nasty man. On the bass, y'all. His name is Sonny T. There's a little bit of a... Good times moment when Prince would introduce himself during the song where he would say dynamite on my guitar. And he does this kind of bluesy guitar solo for himself. It's not like a screaming Prince R&B rock and roll guitar solo. It's very bluesy, almost a little country again. Yeah. country music too i could hear it during this too yeah (laughs) yeah and when sunny t plays his little solo part he plays his bass guitar like an electric guitar it's not like a deep bass solo it's a electric guitar solo yeah 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 it's fun still One other moment I love on the song is at about four minutes and 35 seconds, Prince gives us like a high-pitched woo, mm-hmm. and all the band joins in for this grand ending of the song where everybody's doing their thing, which is great. Cool, and then we roll into from the gold experience but of course the gold experience hadn't been released but it had been previously on tevin campbell's i'm ready which we talked about when we talked about the gold yes, experience and we sure did. He, he wasn't ready um <laughs> yeah well maybe he thought he was that's why he named it that but he shouldn't have been singing this song uh, no um uh, so it's a very recognizable well-known michael bland drum solo it's like the song that michael bland was born to play to me yeah you know it's almost the whole song is you know you think of it as a prince vocal and of course there's some great prince guitar work but the whole thing is led by michael bland's drum work this mm-hmm. song I for sure prince says down in a very mm-hmm. fun way at like a minute and 50 ish seconds we got to break it home down. He just, it's the live performance of it that it's a, it's a little bit unique. It's, yep. you know, he had a little chance to play, to do it different, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah, and, a lot of impromptu stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, his falsetto at two minutes and 40 seconds when, when he says, yeah. just me and you, girl. Ooh. Uh-huh. It was special. It's really good because there are a few moments here when in the show that his voice doesn't sound quite as refined as mm. usual. Mm. You know, we all I think we've talked plenty of times before about his voice is 
a little nasally, mm-hmm. you know, not at in times. a bad way, just not in a bad way. That's just how it comes across. And it's kind of super nasally at times during this show. Uh, but there are moments when um, his voice is just incredible. Mm-hmm. At three minutes, there's the guitar solo from the studio version that's pretty faithful to it again you know i can totally imagine his guitar face oh yeah he had the funky face yep there was no harm in being faithful to studio versions of songs playing them live here (laughs) when most people had not heard anything about them you know it's it's new to us yeah there doesn't need to be anything new because nobody's heard it anyway so Yeah, totally. Yeah. Michael B. Talk to me. Yes. That was my next note at like four minutes and 29 seconds when he calls out Michael B. Talk to me and you get this signature Michael Bland drum solo. Michael B. Talk to me. That made me think of, I think it was the Peach and Black podcast that Scotty Baldwin was on and they, he talked a little about, about how he started working with Prince and that he started off as Michael Bland's drum tech mm-hmm. and how he was constantly repairing things because <laughs> Michael Bland was such a beast. And this song, I think, is a great example of that. I mean, if any of those drums survived without damage, uh-huh. I'd be shocked. Yeah, I'd be I'm really sure shocked. not. Yeah. Did you notice when the song ends, there are some synths and pads going on that sound a lot like the segue between Come and Space mm. on the Come album? I had made that connection, but yeah, I had called like them the both thing. sexy and haunting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So, yes. I think that it's the same basic sounds as what's between when Come ends and Space begins cool. on the Come album. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah, it would during this time period. And of course, it would also make sense that they then play Days of Wild. Hold on to your wigs. Breakdown. That's right. This is a bust. <laughs> so I don't know. This is kind of where the swear parade starts. Because uh-huh. yeah. this yeah. is a pretty profane, uh, very fun, right? It's a oh, fun yeah. show. Uh, but up to this point, it's been fairly clean. clean. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And you sort of forget. Uh-huh. But, you know, oh, by the way, there's some MFers Prince coming up. A, Prince had a potty mouth, <laughs> a big one, especially during this time. And he was not afraid to use it. So, uh-huh. I mean, no. listening to it now, it's like, wow, he seems so like unfettered and pissed off and just doing whatever he wanted to do before he started putting out boundaries for himself right. later, um, which were really to challenge himself more because uh, swearing was easy. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I love when he calls out Miami. Yeah, I like that his ad libs are so uh-huh. specific. Yes, he you definitely know? is very conscious of where he where is. he is, and some of that might be Maite's background too, and you know it being South Beach. Uh, but he politely asks for all the wild mfers, put them right here. Mm-hmm. He's doing the wild sign, I'm sure. Yes, Miami. This one is full of Prince's own vocal samples backing him up. Yes, and I, I like that he also included the hold on to your wigs and the diss me samples mm-hmm. that ended up on the crystal ball version of this 
album as well. Yes. Yeah. The Cristobal version of the song. You mean? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh, Days of Wild. Yeah. Yep. And I felt like this, it was a song that he played live. I mean, the only released versions of it are all live. Yeah. He released it multiple times live. Yes. But never, never the studio, the studio version. version. I think that he just loved the energy live. Yes. That he felt like the studio version was somehow lacking. Um, which sure. Well, and it kind of, it changed every time he played it and you could kind of use it as a barometer as to what he was feeling musically yeah. listening to a variety of live versions of it. So I think that's maybe what's super special about this yeah. song. Yeah, that's true. There are many, I don't know that there is a live version that I don't like of the song. Right. Um, I wasn't wild about the one night alone versions when he would play this, maybe because it was just, that's when he started pulling back on the, uh, swearing and it mm-hmm. sort of took it took the song in a different direction for better or for worse but I mean f- to me Days of Wild it's got to include some MFs in uh, yeah, it for, yeah. you know, for it to fair. be authentic so <laughs> most of the versions of this song at about 2 minutes and 15 seconds he says oh, oh by the way I play bass guitar here it's oh, oh by the way I play guitar yeah oh, oh by the way I play guitar He always reminds us in the song that he plays guitar. Yeah, I don't People know. People were fussing at him that he'd gotten too far away from guitar playing, too much yeah. into the hip hop, I guess. And yeah. he just wanted to remind everybody, mm-hmm. I play the guitar. Oh, yeah. I play bass guitar. I play regular guitar. play all the guitars and most of the instruments. Yeah. I think it, one of my favorite moments of what seems to be kind of improvisation is at three minutes where he says, I'm going to tear S up y'all. Mm-hmm. That's my style. These are the MF and days of wild. Now come on. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's super fun. It is super fun. The end of the song is mostly Prince trying to teach the crowd to sing his background vocals <laughs> and encouraging Morris Hayes to help him out with the, ah, uh-huh, yeah, which I think is a lot of fun. Yeah. These are the days. These are the days. Said, these are the days. These are the days. Well, now looking back, it's easy to say, yeah, those were the days. Uh You're right. That's right. He was right. That's right. And then we hear a little operator. Yes, we do. Welcome to the dawn. You've just accessed the now experience. That nobody would really know very much about because the gold experience had not been yet released. Yep. But I bet this was jamming in the room live because... It's now. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like the... It's so good. Yeah. It's a great sister song to Days of Wild. Yeah. And it worked so well back to back, which is how Prince performed them often in 94, 95. They mm. were sort of meant to go together. Yes. Uh, which is just another shame that it didn't end up on the album. Yeah. For sure. But I can see why not if you're going to let it be the live thing. Whatever, I man. Know. I think yeah. it was a mistake. There oh, was room for okay. it on there. Well, if he didn't like it, he could have recorded it again. That's well, a thing. I don't want to talk about that anymore. I want to talk about now. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> There's uh, some horns and this lilt in his voice at uh-huh. like 54 seconds. Uh-huh. <sighs> yeah, and the horns are all samples. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but it's still, it's still so cool. It is. This ain't about this, that, what, where, how. It's about the freaks doing everything they want to do now. 
I love the another chorus improvisation throughout the song when you know he says it ain't about this that what where how I want to see you jumping in the air right, right now yeah yes it's so fun it made it really fun. Is it about this that what where how I want to see you jumping in the air right now. And there's some, I even think there's some feedback in this, and I yes. think it kind of works in this song. Yeah. There's it's a, a couple it, of spots where there's some feedback. Yep. Noise is okay at some yeah. points of this, because <laughs> yeah. there's just, yes. it's just so... Well, this is a noisy song. It's a noisy song. It's uh, it's kind of unexpected. Yeah. I, I heard the, the feedback, too. Mm-hmm. Also loved it two minutes and 38 seconds when he's doing the chorus and he kind of does this low and fun voice. I want to see you jumping in the air mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Super fun. Is it about this that what will I want to see you jumping in the air right now. I did miss his Muggsy voice a little bit. It was not in full 40, effect. 20 yeah. Yeah. It wasn't quite in full effect. And he couldn't quite do the screams totally at the end because, you know, he's still got like hours of concert left to perform. Yes. Yeah. Can't totally. like run your voice. Yep. You do just get a few the of the studio version screams at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's got to be some reservations. We've got quite a show to get through still. Yeah. Yeah. When I first heard this release, the end of now seemed to draw on a little bit for yeah, me because it breaks down and, yeah. it, and I don't know if it gave him a break or whatever, but you do get at five minutes and 10 seconds, Prince plays some rhythm guitar. And I think, you know, the title of this concert could also be 37 slash two Prince entertains Sonny <laughs> because Sonny T spends a lot of the show laughing at whatever Prince is doing, you yeah. know? And like at five minutes and ten seconds, you can hear Sonny laughing in the background. Prince entertains Sonny. That's good. Yes. Yeah. He's, I mean, I don't know. Sonny might have paid Prince to be there just for the entertainment <laughs> value of it all. There you go. Yeah. And we run into a cover of Cool and the Gang song, Funky Stuff. Yeah. From their 1973 album, Wild and Peaceful. Yep, I was trying to think back when we covered the Space Maxi single and their Space... There's a Funky Stuff remix. There's a Funky Stuff. Did we mention that that was a Cool in the Gang song? I think we did. I don't remember. I I believe so. It seems like months ago. Because (laughs) Because it was months ago. Months ago. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I don't know who put Maite in charge of band attendance. (laughs) (laughs) But Prince asks her, Maite, is Eric here? Yeah. Eric leads. My day. They told me Eric was in the house. Is he here? He's out telling him bring something. Yeah, which is great to have him there for this show. He adds so much to it, and it right. seems like much more of a live show with a live horn, and Eric Leeds has, by this time, a decade of history with Prince. And it's like on the record of saying he really wasn't into Prince's music that much. Right. But of course appreciated Prince's talent and band leader, especially playing live and just added a new dimension to Prince's music that he could have never done himself. So right. um, it's like having the full band from the Exodus album there with Eric Leeds yeah. on the stage. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, I mean, if you're going to s- send somebody off the stage, 
of all the people on the stage, mm-hmm. who can you send off with the least disruption? Probably my tea. Yeah. Yeah, at least especially in this context of just listening to it when you're not there to see whatever she was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is mostly instrumental with Sunny T playing bass and Eric Leeds playing horn and Sunny T laughing. Y- yeah, it kind of almost seemed like another version of the jam. A little bit. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, they, they're they halfway through mm-hmm. and funky stuff doesn't have many lyrics to begin with. No. And it's halfway through before they get to any. Right. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) And then Prince tells them, I don't believe you. Right. I don't believe it. Come on, sing it. That's like his way of saying, you know, you're not participating enough. You need to get on board. (laughs) What the hell did you come here for? Yeah. I like his description of Maite adds some class to the show. Now we're going to F around <laughs> and he's, you know, does the can't get enough of that funky stuff chant. Yeah. Yeah. And he tells the guy in the crowd, you got to take that purple off. Prince is dead. Yeah. He talks to Eric about uh, doing something for the brother in the purple hat. Uh-huh. You're going to take that purple off tonight. I thought that was really playful and yeah. fun. Yeah. And you must have loved being the guy in the crowd with the purple hat, whoever that was. Oh, yeah. We got to do something for the brother with the purple hat on right here. If, if that's you, yeah, for Pete's sake. Oh, yeah. Let us know. <laughs> find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS Podcast, T-M-A-T-S Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince Podcast, or you can send us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. I love the very end of the song, like five minutes and 22 seconds into the song. Here's Prince on stage at his club leading a chant. Prince is dead, dead. Yes. which I'm sure the majority of the crowd probably found very, very strange. Prince is dead. Come on now, Prince is dead. Prince is dead. Probably, but also it was big news that he was having all these, all this strife with Warner Brothers, so... Yeah, yeah. Still, to be chanting that at a concert, yeah, is like okay. Well, all right. I guess we're you're gonna, the boss, we're gonna man. Go along. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the crowd gets rewarded with an awesome guitar solo at the very end of that little chant. So, I think all is good, especially yeah. at six minutes and fifteen seconds. Prince calls out "kick drum," and there's this mm-hmm. frantic piece of, of guitar work by him through the very end of the song. Yeah, which I found very fun to listen to. And then probably one of the best known songs mm-hmm. that he plays of the evening, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, which of course ended up on the Gold Experience, but had previously been released as a standalone single. Right, right. He Did you hear Prince call out beautiful at mm-hmm. the end of Funky Stuff? And I don't know if that was his description of Funky Stuff or a call for what they were going to play next. Yes. One of the two. Or yes. both? Both of the two? Yes. Both of the both. two and a secret third reason also. It's a secret. You're not going <laughs> to... No. I don't, I don't know. You don't know what I, I it is because it's a secret. Maybe there's a third reason. Yeah. Okay. So we get the NPG operator intro talking about courtship, sex, commitment, fetishes, loneliness, vindication, hate. For me at this time, I've heard this song so much that I've 
pretty much had enough of it. Yeah. Well, he does sing in a little bit lower of a register yes, he does. than the released version, yep. which I like quite a lot. Yeah, that was uh, something that was different. Uh-huh. He does some really pretty vocalizing at like a yeah. minute 49. Very nice. Yep. Then we have the clock so- clock sound in yeah. this. Yeah, when Which he sings, how can I get through days when I can't get through hours? Then we have what seems like an hour of tick-tock, tick-tock, It tick-tock. felt like an eternity. It was mm. really, it was under a minute, but it felt like so long. So I'm sure it was a good tension builder live. Yeah, and kind of playful, and probably the lights went out and people are going nuts. Mm-hmm. You know? But um, listening to it now, it's just like, oh. God. Yeah. And yeah. I don't really have anything else to say about this. Me either. Okay, um, good. You know, it's it's totally different thinking to back then because that was his most recent and extremely successful single. So it yes. makes a lot of sense that he would perform it, that people would be, you know, excited, excited about to it. hear it. Yeah. Um, it's one of those Prince songs that I've just, there's not a lot of them. Like even Purple Rain, I don't get tired of listening to that song. Right. But there's something about <laughs> the most beautiful girl in the world. Uh-huh. The... Now, the maxi single with different versions and that kind of stuff, it's I can better. still enjoy listening to. Yeah. For this song, I feel like I've just I've just heard it. Yeah. It's been, I don't need to hear it anymore. Played. Yeah. 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 Then we have P Control. Mm. Before we go any further, I want to talk to the ladies, uh-huh. he says. Yep. I want to talk to the ladies about a little simple word. Yeah, so I feel like he's almost defending this song before it's even released. That, you know, he's making it clear that it's not, of course, it's vulgar and has some language in it, but it's, you know, even more empowering than a James Bond villain. Yeah. Right. And that's what's so funny because we can have pussy galore in, Mm -hmm. you know, the 60s in a James Bond movie and people are. It's, Maybe trending a little more conservative in the mid nineties. Yeah, that pussy control is an issue. Like, yeah, come on, man. Yeah, but it was all just you know harnessing your power as a right. as a woman. Oh right? yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, and he does. He really recites the first verse. Yeah, he speaks it and yeah. then does deliver it in the song. Too. Yeah, our story begins in a schoolyard. A little girl skipping rope with her friends. But yeah. he's kind of. I think he knows in his mind no one has heard this song, you know, really. And that's probably true at right. this point. I don't know. I don't remember. I did not look up when the first, first performance of P Control was, but this is one of the first mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Where he lets Morris Hayes teach the crowd the chorus, which is just, ah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Let me hear you. Yeah, which I thought was really cool. I'm mm-hmm. like, it's before the album release. He's got to teach people how to sing it. This is great. It is. And it's sort of, you know, we covered P Control and some of the remixes of it when we talked about the Gold Experience a few episodes ago. And this is basically a performance of one of the remixes. It's more faithful to uh, some of the remix versions than yeah. the uh, standard issue album version right he well he skips the whole second verse and yep. i would have liked the whole thing live but i thought it was it was really great yep at five minutes did you notice there's a little drum break that includes 
part of what would be, be later used in Rock and Roll's Alive, and it lives in Minneapolis. Cool. <laughs> And then he rolls from that in. <laughs> now, if your man's not pleasing you, That's right. you gotta let, let it go. go. Yeah, so this to me, in my notes, I was like, well, this is probably the second song that most people in attendance had heard before. It was a single off of Come. Right. Um, it wasn't a huge success on the radio, but if you were a Prince fan, surely you have heard it. And yeah. And you probably bought the single, the maxi, maxi single, but it also wasn't a song that Prince performed live very often right. at all. Right. Uh, the audience does know this one. You can hear them singing along a little bit more. They're more familiar with this than anything other than the most beautiful girl in the world up to this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think Prince is pretty, I don't know, rewarding to an audience at this point to, you know, supposedly moving on from Prince material. Uh, he wasn't really playing anything that was, you know, 19... 19- 91 or before. Right. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't performing some songs that folks should have known. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I love how he, you know, like you said, people are singing along and it's pretty faithful again to the studio recording. Um, Aside from Prince's encouragement of the crowd to sing along when he sings, I know you can sing that. (laughs) You know, the chorus is one word. Yeah. Let it go. All shoved together. Yep. Yeah. yeah, he does some really cool vamping uh-huh. in here, too, which, you know, it's faithful to the album version, but there's still something special there live. You get Tommy Barbarella call out. Yes. And some very special guitar. I still love that song. That's yeah. probably one of my favorites from this time period, and it's so different. You don't hear. I couldn't think of another Prince song that's been released to kind of compare to Let It Go. It was this kind of him releasing Prince yeah. almost. And the music and the lyrics are very unlike anything else he'd recorded. So yeah. it's a special one to me. Yeah. Uh, it's a kind of an odd transition that it just kind of slows down and yeah. goes right into Pink Cashmere. Yeah. It was new from the hits and the B-sides. Right. And ended up on the Girl 6 soundtrack later. Yes, you're right. Um, But it wasn't a new song. It may have been newly released on the hits and the B-sides in 93, but it was recorded in, they believe, 1989 for Anna Fantastic's birthday. Yep. And he gave her a, a very, very expensive pink coat. Right. And this song for her birthday. Yeah. This is one of my favorite Prince Studio tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons I was happy at the time to spend whatever it was, $55 on the hits and the B-sides yeah. to get a bunch of music I already had, but to get this track too. 
I'm not quite as wild about the live version here, which is also rare for me because Prince usually adds things or has a new take on live tracks that give it give new life to studio versions of songs. But like at a minute and 20 seconds, it kind of turns into a, a jazz club keyboard solo fest, which mm-hmm. is kind yeah. of weird. Um, and it doesn't include Prince's guitar solo, which is my favorite part of the studio version, too. Yeah. I do like at the end, you know, he comes around to, you know, he jokes a lot about women and his blackness during yeah. this concert. But at the very end of Pink Cashmere, you have this very sweet moment where he says, fellas, you do everything you can to hold on to that girl. She's what we need. Mm-hmm. Which, again, to me, just reinforces the thought of, She's what we need. He has surrounded himself with dudes in this band. And you we, know. we need a girl. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My taste here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I need a little, a little bit of estrogen in the room to balance us out a little bit. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fellas, you do everything to hold on to that girl you love. She's what we need. Yep. And the audience knew this one too, which was kind of fun. Loose. Oh, pink cashmere. You yes. Mean. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But I think they knew Loose a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, if you which had been is the next song, albums, which what an interesting have. like run here. Let it go. Yeah. Then it slows down for Pink Cashmere, and then oh, whoop it up, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is technically let me see that body get loose, not right? Loose. Yeah. Um, so again, kind of a remix performance. Yeah, which was really fun. Yeah, um, it is a fun song. It is a little too sample laden for me. Where oh, we've got okay. and now a word from our sponsors. Get on the dance floor, MFers. Music maestro, please. Oh, uh, whoop it up, y'all. Okay, uh-huh. We've got all this run of these samples, and even one, two, three, four. It's like five or six samples that start the song. It's like I've got this bank of things, and I'm gonna just. Use them all. Oh, well, I'm sorry that hurt your feelings. It didn't hurt my feelings. I just didn't like it. (laughs) Oh, well. My feelings are fine. In fact, (laughs) my feelings are very loose. (laughs) So, and also, you know, he he talks about Maite telling him that Miami likes grooves like this. And he does the go, baby, go, baby, go. Go, baby, go, baby, go. Yeah. That was a very like mid nineties, particularly East Coast thing. It sure was. Yeah, um, and I'm not a fan. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's fine. It you gets know. fun though. They play. You I know, thought he it was sings fun. the song, and you get this great instrumental part at three minutes and eighteen seconds with some great bass playing, and uh-huh. it makes makes it all worth it to me. Oh, I felt like you feel that really deep too, especially if you're you got it in your headphones. Man, you feel that bass like... Yeah, it's great. It's in your chest, even though it's only in your ears. It's (laughs) good. I just personally think I would have preferred a performance of Loose instead of Let Me See Your Body Get Loose. That's fair. Give me the original over the remix here, even live. Um, I'm not opposed to the remix, but... You prefer the... I prefer the original. That's fine. I'm, I'm an original Coke guy here. <laughs> That's fair. Then we have a one-minute interlude of a thunderstorm. That's right. Uh, sound effects that would be in Prince's concerts for... It's probably his most used, most recognizable. I'm taking a break. I may or may not come back kind of sound. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's longer yeah. than the clock bit in The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, but it does not seem like it. That's true. Give well. me the thunderstorms over the clock <laughs> yes. all the time. Yeah. So speaking of, will Prince come back or not? It's we, time for us to come back. We will. We will There's come no back. Mystery. And Prince will come back too. Yeah. So, well, he'll come back in this concert. On the Story Song Podcast, we closely examine the story of famous story songs. We'll walk you through the lyrics you've heard a thousand times, but have never thought about. Leave it to us, because we overthink everything. Spread the word around. Guess who's back in town? Why is this my job? (laughs) Why is this on me now? I didn't even like those guys. (laughs) We discuss the history of the story songs you love. Show of hands. Who here knew that Rig Springfield was Australian? No clue. The Wikipedia article started with, you guys, you're not going to believe this. (laughs) The Story Song Podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us through that quick break. Now we've got some NPG tracks. Yeah, it's almost like the uh, little interlude there. Intermission gives birth to the Exodus. That's right. Yeah. Count the days. Yeah. Uh, ballad from the Exodus album. <laughs> I bet this was super fun live. And the audience doesn't really seem to know this one very well, I guess. Yeah, you know, I mean, Exodus it was just a, had only been out a for, few months yeah. and was released overseas. So, I mean, you had to track this thing down if you if you wanted to hear it. But, yeah, so the audience is probably mostly exposed to the for the first time to the song that mixes church-like <laughs> organs and this very sweet melody with uh the kind of profanity that um is rarely matched in print studio <laughs> i studio love the song it's so funny i mean it's like i don't know it speaks to me on a deep level i think because it's so sweet and mm-hmm. so so very crimey yeah i mean it kind of speaks to the sadness of inner city culture and the beauty oh. of of human life and people trying and to do the right revenge. thing, but but first I got to do this thing. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I got some revenge to to take. Yeah. yeah, and I loved how you know Sunny T is singing, but Prince is singing along pretty much with everything in yeah. his falsetto, and it's such a nice dichotomy between the two. Yep. also get eric leeds playing saxophone behind Mm -hmm. some of the verses too which gives it a a nice little uh another piece of beauty almost with the saxophone playing yeah um and i love at the end that prince gives credit at the end he's already introduced these folks multiple times but he kind of takes a back seat and says you know sonny thompson lead vocals yeah yeah in case you weren't watching Right. Yeah. But then the party gets started again. Oh, yes. Also from Exodus, Return of the Bump Squad. Yeah, I love that it starts with the sample of the chant from the chorus without any of the music. Yeah. Nothing to save you unless his name is God. You better get your house in order. It's getting late. The Return of the Bump Squad is coming your I also had to go back and look up. What's the second line of the chorus? I can't remember it because it's a little hard to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, butt out, MFR, surrender your rod. Okay. Was the yeah. line that I had to go back. I could not recall what that was. Yeah. Even though I sing it in my head, <laughs> I sing just like the sounds and not the words. <laughs> you sing like. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you sang the these words the same way that Prince sung most of the lyrics from Jailhouse Rock. Oh yeah, in- that's one of the many ways that I'm <laughs> very much like Prince. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah, you look good in purple too. Sure. Yeah. But man, this song takes off from the get-go. They launch into it like it's the very end of the song. Uh, and like, we've had enough of this ballad crap. We're, <laughs> we're going to party again. They aren't concerned with the lyric order, but I really love how the band really has... It's an interesting way that the band plays. It, all the parts are really distinct, but they're working together. And I know that... the. That's how bands work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm aware (laughs) it's different things working together to make the music. But I thought in this one, you could really pick it out Mm -hmm. very well, but also... You know, hear the individual parts. Yeah, I you think. hear the individual yeah. parts, but how they're working together in a particular way that was very interesting and very effective here. Yeah, I think that was kind of Prince's definition of funk was the space. Yes. Uh, and timing and that kind of thing. Sonny T and Prince sing lead together again yeah. on this one like they do on the album version. And the bass is just crazy throughout the song. Yeah. <laughs> You notice in verse two, Prince replaced Nona with Maite. Yeah, yes, it is. Maite's in the backyard, but she got to wait. She got to get free, y'all, before she's on that tape. And the music gets a little jazzy and loungy on the second verse of this song, too. It's almost like they pull back from this giant takeoff when the song starts into a quieter part for verse two while Maite's in the backyard trying to sell a tape and add an E to rap and it spells rape. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a sample of a man making advances and a woman saying she's sleepy. She's got a headache. Uh huh. Yeah. I got something for your headache. I got a headache. I got something for your headache. Prince clearly says, I got something for your headache. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And man, this is where they just launch into an instrumental brigade and where every sample Morris Hayes has of people saying the N word and MF get used at every break with what's that funky smell. And it's just Uh like an after show vibe, very loose and, and very fun with the band kind of launches and stops and their samples and I take off again. Yeah. Um, it's, It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is fun. And they leave out most of the biblical references from, there was quite a few yes. in Return of the Bump Squad and yeah. the album version, and they really like leave most of those out here. Yeah, which is you You're know okay good with. for the you know the after show kind yeah. of behavior. Yeah, and then we have <laughs> the track that you gave me. It's Oriental Interlude, but yeah. I thought it kind of sounded more, more Egyptian. Egyptian to me. Yeah. But I guess there are similarities between the two but that was the whole point of seven and the video is you know it includes the pyramids and it's much more egyptian than oriental i think that's just silly mislabeling yeah yeah not by me no no i know that was was that was how that's how it it came to you yeah but you get this egyptian interlude interlude that includes parts of around the world in a day Mm -hmm. the beginning of it with uh prince's scream um he would use that up to and past his 3121 residency too when he would play seven that was sort of part of the deal Um, but yeah like three minutes of this kind of very repetitious egyptian 
interlude. It's almost like another intermission, really. Right. Um, and this is kind of where the sound quality on the recording devolves a bit from soundboard into more like a really good audience recording. Mm-hmm. But by now, the probably is like the audience is probably like, finally, I can sing along <laughs> once they realize what this song is. That, yes. And it's really strange that he'd play this after denouncing Prince for the entire show, almost <laughs> like, wink, it's still me. I'm, it's, still, it's cool. Uh-huh. I'm going to play the song because this was his last big hit as Prince. Right. Seven. Seven. We haven't mentioned it yet. Sorry. Yes, and the yeah. audience really knows this one well. Oh, yeah. Again, he's his background vocals, just like on the studio version, are his own, triggered by samples that Morris Hayes has. But it, um, the one part that's unique on this that's different from the album version is like at four minutes and 18 seconds, the song breaks down and we get some fun new rhythm guitar work from Prince. Honestly, as I was listening to it, I thought, man, I wonder where this was on the seven maxi single, which was kind of a little bit boring to me. Yeah. It wasn't real inspiring, maybe save for the quote unquote acoustic version, which was just like a remix with yeah, a lot of the stripped instruments off. stripped off. Yeah. So I thought that that little guitar part that he's playing at the very end really could have helped, helped out the maxi single a lot. So that made hearing this again really fun for me. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, this is kind of the hearkening back after Prince is dead. Now we're, he's going to play this song that was his last really big hit as Prince. He, the delivery of the line, we will still be here. Was really, it was special. It was, a nice kind of a bridge almost like that was Prince. Prince is dead, but we're still here. Yeah. The, the people who made this music were still here. Yeah. Even though together Prince isn't here, even though I'm right here. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's drums and vamping. Very yep. fun concert yeah. It was a good performance outside yes. of the far too long Egyptian mislabeled as Oriental interlude. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. By now it's got to be 2.45 in the morning. Yeah, I don't know late. that I would have the uh, endurance to get through. Oh. Uh, no. You would have in the no. 90s. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> You've been an old man forever? Is yep. that what you're telling me? Yep. That's how <laughs> okay. I came into the world. <laughs> Then we have Get Wild Boy, from Exodus Prin- and Preda Porter. Prince loves him some Get Wild. We yeah, covered this when we talked about uh, Exodus. Definitely one of his favorite songs from this era. And the live version is great. <laughs> and so long. It's long, but oh my it's gosh. good. Like 18, I'm, 19 minutes. Yeah, I'm awake for this one. But, <laughs> okay. So he jo- this is where he jokes about starting after midnight so no yeah. one would sing that s- stupid <laughs> happy birthday song. Yeah, he stumbles over it too. He uh-huh. says that stupid happy birthday song and kind of laughs. laughs. Uh, he says that he hates the song and then all the drunk people in the crowd... <laughs> Reward him by singing him the song anyway. Yep. And he says, someone must have presented him with something on stage because he says, I blew out the candles with my mind. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what that I was. I don't know what that was either. 
Man, the audience sings happy birthday so bad, too. They make me feel good about my ability to sing happy birthday. It was awful. No wonder he hates the song. Well, it's not. Well, if he wanted them to sing it on key, he should have gotten there before they were three sheets to the wind. He didn't want them to sing it at all. He said so. It was almost a talk about it too much situation. I guess. Like, stop talking about it if you don't want him to sing it. Yeah. Because it was almost like he was asking him to sing it a mm. little bit. Like, so. he didn't want to hear it, but he kind of wanted him to sing it. Mm, I don't think he really did. <laughs> he got it either way. <laughs> it came true. So the song kicks in, and he says, y'all want to do this? Two words. Get wild. It's like he sometimes forgets that most of his song titles are pretty short. They're not like, it's not special that this is just two words, you know? Because uh-huh. uh, he says that a lot. But here, Get Wild. Yeah. I really like the live version and the remixes of this song a lot. Listening to this reminded me that I f- always felt like the album version was too slow. Like it was not wild enough. Almost Fair. like mid-tempo. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to be faster. I get it here. So I can't uh, complain too much, I guess. Uh, he kind of gives, uh, it's almost like a third iteration of the jam where he gives the other band members a chance to shine again. And he gives Eric Leeds an actual full intro that he didn't get before. True. Like he called for him. Right. But he didn't really introduce him. Mm-hmm. Now he gets his introduction. Eric Leeds. You got a few fans on this side. Eric Leeds. Prince gets the audience to chant for Sonny T to play the bass. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. And then it's real messy and noisy. And yeah. I also love like in the remixes of get wild, there's this chant of turn this mother out. Uh huh. But here live Prince doesn't hold up, hold back at all. He's turned this MF out. Uh huh. And then, like you said, he goes through kind of a reintroduction of each band member and lets them get wild. My favorite is when Prince makes Michael B. stand up. (laughs) (laughs) Michael B., would you stand up, please? He says, someone, would you look at that big MFR right there? (laughs) Someone tries to come after the MPG. You better bring one of those. I'll tell you that right now. Prince tells him to sit down and scrub all the drums for Miami. Yeah. And he plays another bit from Rock and Roll is Alive, Mm -hmm. and it lives in Minneapolis. Super cool. It is. Uh, So you think you get the whole song, and then at 13 minutes and 25 seconds, uh, it comes back at double speed. Yeah. And they do this whole four-minute section of Get Wild Twice as Fast as it was originally intended. Yeah. Which is really, really fun. This is one of (laughs) my favorite parts of the whole concert. Yeah, that should be the... uh, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you do. As long as you get wild. 
the all-the-time speed as far as you're concerned? At least midway between album version and double speed. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm much more... You give want it, to it me faster? Fast. Yep. That's yep. fair. Even the sound guy... Justin gets into the action where Prince says, turn the lights off, and when we kick back in, I want you to do all your little things, Justin. <laughs> there you go. Keep it right there. And when we kick back in, I want you to just go mad, Justin. Do all your little things. <laughs> There's another sample from that was used in Rock and Roll is Alive, which is, I believe, a Star Wars thing where you hear very impressive. Oh, yeah. And it was impressive. Very impressive as Darth Vader, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. July. So Maite is not only band attendance keeper, uh-huh. but also car authority. Oh, yeah. Warm her, up the car. Maite, is the car warm? Yeah. And he says it in this joking voice. That's yeah. pretty fun. As if he's about to leave. not about to leave yet. he's not about to leave he's no. acting like he's about to leave he's not quite about to leave no then it rolls into johnny yep. uh from 1993's npg album gold nigga yeah so we don't get the lyrics from the song but not it's really. the music yeah. as prince recaps again the band members as mm-hmm. if to say the song's over and psych yeah and on the inspiration maite all right My name, I'm your mom's favorite freak. My name. I'm your mom's favorite freak. That seems very improv to me. That's, like, yes. It's just off the cuff, and it's a yeah. great moment. Yeah. And he, I kind of uh, love during this time all the what's my name, I love you, and sh- mm-hmm. and, you know, the, yeah. all these ways to not say his name yeah that it was of ill importance to yeah. him he had yeah. he had relieved relieved himself of the responsibilities of being prince yeah. and could just do what he wants yeah so it does make for fun he does tell the crowd if you want to pronu- pronounce his name you just say new power generation i'm yours you're mine we can do this mm-hmm. you want to know what to call it new power generation I'm yours, you are mine, and we can do this. Yeah. Kind of from the lyrics of Seven. Then he asks Morris Hayes, I think you need to cue up BBB for the people who think it ain't cool about his name. Mm-hmm. And I think that he misspoke. B- B- I yeah, think he, he meant BJB, uh-huh. Billy Jack Bitch. But he says, I've gone back and listened to this a bunch of times. I think he just says it incorrectly. Yeah, I think he does too, because I... No, I noticed that when I was listening yeah, like, to what's this. BBB, he's got the Better Business Bureau there. Uh, yeah. to... <laughs> I don't think so. Does he have an A rating? <laughs> That's right. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, actually, I don't think he did have an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. <laughs> no, maybe not. Fans made sure of that. Um, Boys, I think you need to queue up BBB. <laughs> for the people that it ain't cool for. We get some of the N, P, G in the M. Evan House mm-hmm. chant, which yeah. is from Johnny, and he did that in concerts a lot. Yeah. 
Let me have a little interlude. Mm. Prince said he was done. Mm-hmm. He wasn't done. He clearly wasn't done because I don't think he even left the stage. No, and he also says one more, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> when that wasn't even true. No. Yeah. He definitely liked the crowd chants in Miami. He tells them, y'all are cool. You know what to say. Some people don't know what to say. Some people don't know what to say. Boys, what do we call them? Which is a way of getting into the song, Billy yeah. Jack Bitch, which yeah. Prince denied was about the columnist in Minneapolis who called him Cymbalina. Uh-huh. And, you know, had a little empathy for his uh, artistic direction. Right. It's funny that even though the gold experience hadn't come out, mm-hmm. that a lot of people really seemed to know this. Now, of course, it had been played at the AMA performance in mm-hmm. January of 95. Yeah, that's a lot to ask of people, though, to have watched it on mm-hmm. VH1 and remember it months later live at they 3 in the morning. They know it pretty okay. Yeah. This one was actually a little short to me. Two mm-hmm. minutes and 45 seconds of music, essentially, of Billy Jack Bitch, and especially considering that they spent more than 19 minutes getting <laughs> wild. But this is a fun song. Yeah, and it was it's fun. fun song live. Yeah. yeah. And then we roll into the final song of the evening, mm-hmm. Gold. Yep. A new song off the never-to-be-released Gold Experience. Yes. We'll do it for you now. Peace <laughs> and be wild. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. It's just like when he was on Letterman and we covered that where David Letterman introduced him as here to perform a song off <laughs> the album The Gold Experience which I'm told will never be released. So it makes perfect sense that he's here promoting it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. This is a new song. Off the never to be released gold experience. We do it now for you. Peace and be wild. Yeah. I mean, he, it's interesting that in June, early June of the year that the gold experience was released, it seems like he really, was unsure if it was ever going to yeah. even be released. It was completed. It was delivered. and It had um, been delivered almost a year before. Yeah. yeah, and still a topic of contention for him. I always thought Gold is... The song is okay to me. I don't dislike it, but it's not super great and always felt like it was pushed as being the new Purple Rain, like he was trying to create a, you know, a an anthem to replace Purple Rain yeah. to me. Um, and it was always positioned at the end of concerts, just like this one. And so it's not a fair comparison and it's not a competition, but I can't help feeling like he was trying to overcome having to play a purple rain. Yeah. He was trying to recreate some magic and mm-hmm. pushing it a little too hard, yeah, maybe. And a lot of it works okay, but it's just not that kind of, I don't know. There's similarities, right? It's a color for one thing. Um, yeah. It's a rock ballad. Uh, it's got some na-na-na's in it and, mm-hmm. you know, these kind of sing-along moments that make it, I mean, you can't help but compare it. I can't help but compare it. Maybe yeah. you can. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you can help. I don't know. <laughs> I can help you make okay. a podcast. Yes, you sure can. <laughs> uh, it was a little raw at, the, at, at one point. I didn't know if it was because it was the end of the night or if he was feeling a little emotional Maybe. right before three minutes. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit of both. Okay, so you may, this may not be your favorite, but 
those guitars at the close of yep. this song? <sighs> yeah. Yes, please. Well, I, it was enough for me to write it in my notes. Six minutes and four seconds, we get uh, guitar solos that are by far the best part of the song for me. Yo, and they, yeah. I mean, he is totally ripping into it. So. I think it's very, he was very much into it. It was a very real moment, not too cheesy or planned. Right. Of this guitar solo. I mean, he was fully devoted. Yep. I did like how the song ends because we get part of the MPG operator that we don't hear on the gold experience when she says, welcome to the Don. You are now an official member of the new power generation. Please come again, mm-hmm. which I think is cool, especially considering that, you know, 24 hours from then from now he'd be there playing again. Welcome to the Don. You are now an official member of the new power generation. Then, you know, the concert ends and we get those na 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 that go on for too long to me, just like on the album version. Mm. I think they last too long before fading out. I give it more of a pass than a concert situation. When I listen to things, when I listen to a concert after the fact, I I always try and remember that it's different being there live and what feels too long listening to it after the fact felt good and right in the moment. Okay. So I won't argue with you. Yeah. Well, good. But now is the time to argue if we're going to argue about something because now we've covered all of the material that nah, we're going nah, to nah, cover. Nah, nah, nah. I don't want to argue. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so this concert ends. It is almost daybreak. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. 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 So, especially on the East Coast. That's right. Yeah. Where it gets light earlier. Yes. They're ahead of all of us. They know what's going to happen. That's right. They're living in the future. Yeah. Yes. So, we've covered everything we're going to cover. We it's have. It's time to make some selections. Okay. So, we have rules. I'm going to go over them real quick in case you're unfamiliar. You're probably not, but if you are, We choose three things. We choose a time capsule, which is something that exemplifies the time at which the recording was made or when it was released, or in this case, when it was made because it wasn't released. Right. The C, the S-E-A, the thing that we like the least, not that it's bad, just the thing that spoke to us the least, and the mountain, the high point, and each host makes a selection and because these rules are mine i always go first so the time capsule for me was how well the crowd knew seven and sang along with it it just seemed very i mean they knew other songs but seven just really felt like something special Mm. Yeah, so that was um, me. That makes sense. Yeah, between Seven and The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, those are certainly the two most popular songs that he played. Man, I probably pick Seven because I like it better. Me too. Yeah. Uh, especially now because I feel like in the last four or five months, I've been so overexposed to that song that I'm be okay <laughs> not listening to it for quite a while. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about 
my time capsule now. Yes. I'm going to give it to Let It Go since oh. it was really only performed live during this time period. And if you hear a live version of the song, you can bet pretty surely that it was in 1994, 1995. So no, the okay. fact that he played it and performed it, uh, to me, that kind of made a time. There are certain songs like that that, you know, they were released. He gave them their live exposure for a year or so, and then he just had enough material that he never revisited them and let it go as one of them for me. Yeah. All right. The C, the thing that we like the least. Well, you got to give some credit because it's a live performance. It's unreleased. Yes. And that's actually my C is that it's unreleased. Oh. That there are so actually really that there are an awful lot of concerts that are have soundboard recordings are excellent recordings and they're unreleased and you got a lot of fans that would pay for those. Let us pay for those. Let us listen to them. I know there's some that have never made it out. Oh, there, I mean, every show he recorded for sure. Um, I think even the shows that he chose to release, like uh, the one night alone tour, um, the Indigo nights Mm -hmm. uh, disc, they just are missing the rawness and the spontaneity of a real live show. And mm-hmm. this recording from start to finish does that far better than the few times that Prince decided to release live recordings. And it just captures something that a studio recording can't achieve. Yeah. Well, so yeah, and definitely missed opportunity. Yeah. And especially now when there are no more live performances, this is the only way that we get to experience that and feel it in a way that's approaching what it was really like to be in a room with him while he played. Let us, let us experience that. Yeah. I think that's the argument for a rebirth of the NPG music club website, that that would be a great place to put material like this where you don't have to go to the expense of, Uh, producing a bunch of artwork and booklets and distributing anything that these could just be. Just throw it up there. uh, Let us download it. Let us listen to it. Let us pay you for it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of us are saying, take my money. Yeah. (laughs) All right. What's your scene? Um, I agree with you. There's not a lot to dislike here um, from start to finish. So I'm going to give my C to that moment at the beginning of Endorphin Machine, which is the very beginning of the concert (laughs) where it sounds like someone is just not in sync and they sound out of tune. It's very jarring. And it was like at the opening of the thing and um, just sounds like a mistake to me, which is very, very rare. So I feel like if I hear it, certainly it's got to be an issue. It wasn't intentional. Right. So that's my C. Okay. And then the mountain, the thing that we like the most. Well, I can't have a live version of now and not pick it because oh my gosh. I loved it. I loved it so much. Jumping in the air. It's a beautiful mess. It's so fun. It's energetic. Yeah. I love it. Great I live song. Yes. That's for sure. Especially at a place like this where it's not a concert setting. It's more of an after show kind of vibe. Right. And a small venue. Uh, I'm not surprised by your mountain. Um, for me, I love most of this from start to finish. When it first surfaced, I thought, wow, this is almost as good as it gets. Yeah. As far as for a Prince sure. concert goes. I really have developed an affinity for the double time get wild portion and how fun it was. And the just Prince seems very happy 
and is um, doing what he wants to do, and it comes across there yeah. really well. And it seems special, too, like he was doing this just for Miami, you know, yeah. which I'm sure they rehearsed this to some degree because uh, it's super tight. It's super fast. There's horns in it. It goes nuts, and then it slows down and does it again and again, and it's just um, it's unique, and I found it a lot of fun. Yeah. Great. All right, so um, the only responsibility I have besides showing up and putting my <laughs> mouth next to this microphone is to uh, plan what we cover. So, yes. and, and you, uh, yeah, and so we're, we're this is it, right? This is the end of our long selection of 1994-95, or do we have more? Could it be? I don't, I don't know. know. I've been thinking for months now how we're going to gracefully exit this 1994-1995 time period because there is even more we could cover. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that we've given it an exhaustive overview over the last, I don't know, 12, 15 episodes of uh-huh. this podcast. Um, so here's my plan for a graceful exit. We're going to cover an album that was released in November 1994 but was recorded in late 1986 through late 1987, and that is the Black Album. We started this podcast a year and a half ago and started with Love Sexy, and we said at that point that Love Sexy wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for the Black Album, but we've never covered the Black Album. So it's the yang to Love Sexy's ying, um, and we're going to cover it next time. A proper studio album by Prince back on the podcast. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening. We know that you have a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio. You make a conscious decision to put us in your ears, and we thank you for it. So please tell a friend, because it's way more fun to listen to the stuff and talk about it with a friend. And check us out in a couple weeks when we talk about the Black Album. And until then. Thanks for listening. Forge Audio. Dream it. Build it. Share it.